Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of JNC Views on Marketing. I'm Meg Goodman, Vice President and Managing Director here at Jacobson Clevenger, or JNC. My guest today is Tom Leibelt. From a young age, Tom has been perfecting the art of selling and negotiating businesses. Boy, has he ever. From getting haggled by Russian vendors as a child to becoming one of the top Polish hip-hop artists, Tom has worn many, many different hats. Through his life, his passion for entrepreneurship never faded. Tom has started and owned many businesses, including SEO companies, coffee shops, record labels, and finally, his online course marketing business. Hey, Tom. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good, and I'm tired just listing all the stuff that uh, that you've done in your life. It's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, you also have two degrees. You're a sound engineer. Um, and it, it's it's interesting uh, in reading your bio. I see that the book, the Four Hour Work Week, was um, something that really left an impression on you. So if you can do all of this in, in a four hour work week, um, you are amazing. And uh, I, so I, I'd like to to get going and, and just talk about the businesses that you build and acquire. Um, you know, and as you do this, you have to uh, adapt to new audiences and target markets. So how do you alter your marketing strategy for brick and mortar versus the online companies? Well, with, you know, with brick and mortar, um, the only real alteration that you, you think of when you're, when you're marketing is just a geographical, right? Because it's, it's a local business. So, you know, like instead of marketing, like on Facebook to your audience, you would do that and put constraints with your zip code or, you know, just your area code, um, the same thing with Google. It's much easier than, you know, trying to go after a big market. You can just say, you know, this type of business near me, you know, because you're looking for what people are searching for. Also with lead magnets and then getting people interested, you know, instead of getting their emails, which is cool, you know, you can bring them in and the email sequence um, doesn't have to do, they'll have you lifting to sell anything because you can do it in person or your staff can. So it's more of just uh, um, just the ability um, to to transfer that conversation easily into in person, right? Which is much easier to sell for most people than you know getting that flawlessly done online, so that your sales page sells for you. But the marketing it's it's, it's very similar. Um, the, the only thing that I would also look at is if you have a local business. Um, in most places, SEO is going to be super easy. You know, like if you're thinking of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you have a fence company, it's going to be much, much easier ranking for a fence company in Tulsa, Oklahoma than fence company in the whole country. You know, as if you would sure. with a global brand, who you know, that, that's trying to do so. So it's, I think it's easier in some ways. Okay. Um, unless, unless you're in um, a market like New York city. And then and, all bets are off. Know, the competition. Well, yeah, the competition is just brutal, you know, in some niches. Right. So, uh, I remember working with a friend of mine, she had a waste management company and she was the first one, um, to get the SEO, right. So she was ranking number one, but you know, after a couple of years when everyone caught on and they started putting big budgets into it, you know, it, it, it was hard. It was really hard. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> so it depends on location, I think. But but it makes things easier, right? Because you have a lot more constraints, which means 
um, you're losing less money by mistake, right? Because you know um, you're looking at these type of people in this actual space, you know, so the, the market is smaller and then less waste too than just trying to figure out, you know, if you were, let's say, selling um, a photography course um, throughout the whole country. Now you, you have very little constraints geographically. So your audience, um, if you hit or miss that, you can have a lot of waste happening. And I see that, you know, with inexperienced marketers, um, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of waste here. And most mm -hmm. of them are just not tracking. So there's there's different things involved. But I find geographical is just easier to keep um, like a tight ship going. So uh, of all the businesses you've had, which have you found to be the most challenging to market and why? There was one um, that was my first online course um, experience. And this was a friend um, who was managing a gym and we became friends after I did SEO for the gym for a long time successfully. And he was a Muay Thai champion. So he wanted to create a Muay Thai online course, which back then I had no idea what that was, but we still did it. And transferring um, something like Muay Thai, which is basically kickboxing into the online space. So normally when you want to train a martial art, you would go to a gym because it's a physical thing that you have to do. You know, convincing people that you can actually learn something like that online, I thought was one of the most challenging things um, I've done because it didn't make sense on paper whatsoever. Did the marketing work? It worked, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but it took us two years to figure it out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can, I can imagine just, you know, in, in today's world, uh, online anything courses is as uh, as you attest to is is the way to be but uh, at the time and certainly the the product i'm sure was difficult you know um marketing your own product can be really different from marketing a client's product so how do you approach client marketing differently than your own business well it is different and and that's just because of the knowledge gap to create good marketing um, and then, and, and most, I've noticed people don't realize the difference between the sales process and marketing, right? To create really good marketing, you need to have a really good handle on the sales process, right? Because marketing is just amplifying the sales process, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, when someone doesn't sell anything and they say, Hey, Tom, can you market our course? I'm like, well, if I amplify zero times a hundred, what's that going to be? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's the knowledge gap. And, and this is why I don't like um, having people outsource copywriting too much too, um, is nobody will have a grasp on the sales process as much as you or your salespeople. Um, and that's what everything's based on. Sure. So the, the main difference when I you know approach someone else's project is I, I try to ask really good questions and don't allow for you know cop out answers because I need to get a good grasp as quickly as possible on the sales process, okay. you know, and that's, that gets really detailed, you know, because what's the sales conversation like, you know, what makes the person buy? Most people don't even know why people are buying based on what they're saying, right? Like they can't figure out the elements. It took me a long time too. Um, I was, you know, good at sales, but it took years before I could see, like, I see how the path is moving along. I can see why people are buying, what drives them off, what I need to change. So getting those elements out and, and figuring out the real why behind why someone's buying, because that's the most important thing. You know, the, the marketing of anything 
is mostly creative. You know, some people would make you think it's like, oh, you need to do good audiences, good Facebook thing, good targeting. Yeah, all that's nice, but the targeting will not make as much of a difference as your creative, right? So the creative is based on what actually makes someone buy and you just got to get creative doing it. That's the hardest thing on the planet and most people avoid it. That's why everyone's looking for frameworks and, you know, let me just do this technical stuff and follow these steps. But the creative is, you know, what will sell. And that's what I focus on and it's been doing really well in my business. So it, it sounds like you get into the mindset of the people to whom you're marketing uh, and then you speak to their specific needs. Well, that's the most important thing. And it's not the needs. You know, no one really knows what they need. You know, if you ask someone like what they want, it's it's not going to be the actual thing. That I guess a, a good analogy is, you know, like when someone's trying to, let's say, find a girlfriend or boyfriend and after the girl, they interview 10 guys, what they want, like what they say they want is probably not the thing they want, right? It's like, it's not how you get to that moment. That's true. So, so it's more about, you know, you got to figure out based on why they're buying it. If you can figure it out, just the hopes, desires, and fears, right? So if you can get those, if you can meet someone halfway, right? Like if there's something they're thinking about already and you can kind of interrupt them and mention like, yeah, I get it. And, you know, you kind of continue the conversation, you hook them. And then you have to start pulling them in and then amplify why you think, you know, it's a good idea for them, um, what's going to happen if they don't buy it, why it's urgent that they do it. So you still follow the same kind of framework, but it's very different creatively. Um, and, and that's the hard part. So it's not really what they need, but it's like, you know, someone, no one buys an online course really because they need something it will help them to get to something maybe that they need, right? Like, so if someone needs a paycheck and, and these courses, by the way, um, work the best, like if someone needs a paycheck and they need to, let's say, get um, a life insurance job, because that's what they're trying to get right now. They're in the interview process and the, the people say you need to um, pass a test, you know, so these exam type online courses, prep for exams, a series six, which means that you can sell mm-hmm. a certain type of life insurance. So sure. they need the money. So they are already in the process of the interview. They need to pass this test and you are helping their desire to pass the test now by, you know, giving them the prep work. I'll get this done for you. I'll help you pass this test. And there's a bit of urgency because if they don't pass it in a certain amount of time, the interview process is over. You then pass, you're done. Right. So these ones work really well because there's um, you have external forces pushing them along the path. And you just came along and helped them like, hey, are you trying to pass the Series 6 exam? Well, I am. Well, it, you know, when you start this conversation, <laughs> right? So, sure. so those work actually really well. So I found um, that most of the really, really successful, successful course creators that moved on to other things and stuff, they, they all had a very successful kind of exam prepping online course. You know, they're, they're the most solid mm-hmm. um, ones that you can make. So, you know, I I like the example you use. I want to go back to your dating example. The premise of this uh, podcast is that everybody is a marketer in some way, multiple times a day in the various hats that they wear in their life. And in your uh, your example, just underscored that, you know, when uh, you're interviewing people to date or whatever, or convincing somebody to to date you. And so, so thank you for that, because that that really makes the the whole point of our, our podcast. You've done a lot in a lot of various different industries and been very successful. 
So today is smart brand marketing your entire focus or are there more ideas in the works that you can talk about? Well, so what I've done recently is I've put all my ideas under smart brand marketing, right? So we market online courses is just a department of smart brand marketing. We have another productized services. We track your marketing also under smart brand marketing. So what I found is by keeping that brand alive, because it's been around for a while, um, it helps me market my new ideas much quicker. And lately what I found is it's much easier to be a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond. So the example mm -hmm. here is when I used to do marketing for everyone, someone could come along and say, oh, Tom, why should I work with you over Dan Kennedy or Jay Abraham? Um, Maybe there's no there's no reason whatsoever if you can afford those guys. Much better. I would love to work with them too. But by really dialing in on these small markets like tracking of marketing or online course marketing, where I'm really good, you know, one of the top five or six. If someone comes up to me and saying like, "Why should I work with Jay Abraham?" I was like, "Why would you?" He has no idea about selling online courses. Sure, he sells other things, but not not what you do other the way things, you do. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's just much easier. So I've been really focusing on um, the snitching down, and it's it's actually a really good thing to do, you know. So maybe keeping a bigger brand open, which gives you a, ability to you know pivot a lot without changing everything. Any small brands, like it's it's so much easier if you really focus in and market in smaller uh, arenas because you can become the influencer much faster. Sure, um, and it is much easier to make really good money and not work so much because you're really focusing on a few things. And as long as you're halfway productive, it works out much better than, you know, trying to tackle on this big, huge thing, which, which is fine, you know, for someone like Elon Musk, but that's not my goal. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've always wanted the, the freedom and, you know, the things that this freedom is supposed to give you, which means I need time, sure. you know, I need money and time without those, you can't have it. So there's definitely time for hustling, and that's when you're starting any project. But after a while, you'll realize that the things that actually make you the most money mm -hmm. are fairly boring and can be systemized and can be delegated, other than just maybe the creative aspect. But we only have so many creative hours in a day anyway. Sure. So you keep those for yourself and everything else. You kind of you know build systems around and things like that, and it becomes much, much easier. You'd be like, wow, I can't believe I've been working so hard before when it's really not that hard. So, but that comes with experience. Like there's, there's time and place for everything. Indeed. Trial and error. Th those are, are words to live by. And, and speaking of, of having the creative time and not working so hard, you've sold more than 5,000 Kindle books. Where did the idea to write these come from? Is that that creative time that you have? So with the Kindle books, that was a very kind of strange pivot that, that kind of began that, right? So I had a system for my SEO company back when uh, blog networks were around. So what you pretty much did is um, you signed up for this blog network company and they would allow you to write like a 500 word article and put it on their blog and then give links back to your site. So I had a system with 14 or 15 writers back then. This was many years ago. Um, and we would crank out 30 or 40 of these every single day and get many, many backlinks and, you know, have our SEO rise up. These got shut down by Google. Um, they're making 
kind of a re-entry into the market now, but that's because people forgot just how decimated the whole industry was seven, eight, nine years okay. ago. But I had 14 writers with nothing to do for a minute. And back then I heard about this Kindle thing that was just starting. Um, so I told them, you know what, look, you've been writing on all these different topics. You've been writing like crazy. Just write Kindle books. I don't care what it's on. Do keyword research. Just make sure there's people searching for this stuff. And that's how it began. So I created more of a system and moved it into this space. Within five or six months, they were already more than paying for themselves. So that's when I started using my creative time. And within like six, seven hours, so two days um, of creative time, I was able to, through keyword research, find 800, 900 different topics. And they were off to the races for the next three, four months. And I would just do that every quarter. Um, just sit down for two days, come up with new topics, and they were off. So that lasted for maybe five years before that business kind of fizzled out. But yeah, we made very good income um, with that as well. You can imagine 5,000 books, yeah. about 20% of them sell pretty well. So we, we were doing well on Amazon, but it, it wasn't as creative as you would think. So it was it was the right thing at the right time. Um, That's it. And, and, and the system just worked. Exactly. So one of the things I enjoy is talking to somebody who is a fellow podcaster, and you are just that. Um, you've got smart brand marketing. You've got we create online courses, and you have Crypto Moon Radio. Wow, you found Tell all about, those. You're good. You're I good. Most people did. <laughs> so, so tell me about Crypto Moon Radio. That's fascinating. So, when the crypto um, industry was going wild about two, two and a half years ago, um, I thought, hmm, let me see if I want to enter this space because that's usually, you know, like just my way of doing it. And I entered it very quickly. You know, I did like 20, 30 interviews. I was doing a um, different consulting thing. And just within two months, I realized I want nothing to do with that industry. Mm -hmm. and, and it was one of those, you know, plays that we just did. Like, you know, like, let's go in hard and see if this is a fit for me. And it just wasn't. It, it was way more shady than even the SEO industry. And I just realized mm -hmm. most of these people have no value. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I stepped out. But it was, it's, it's a fun way for someone who tests waters. That's what I find with some podcasts. You know, you can go in super hard. I, I you know, you can do, if, if you're not doing much, because I was still running two businesses, it's sure. really easy to do 30 interviews in a month. And by speaking with that many people and seeing, you know, what's happening, you have a good grasp on it. Plus, if you wanted to continue it, you will become an influencer very quickly <laughs> just by mm -hmm. taking massive action in the beginning. So that's what we did with that sure. one. And it, it was fun. Um, any uh, any new pad, uh, podcasts um, in the making? Well, at the moment, we are so busy um, with the course marketing, like even now. And I don't really want to date this podcast because, you know, want to keep it evergreen. But we are going through this Corona thing and hundreds of books will be written about this time. I'm still getting constant leads and just people being like, I think this is a great time. People will be stuck at their homes and bored. And I'm like, sort of. Yes. Yes. Mm hmm. Um, once the panic thing, you know, gets kind of, well, we have, we have short attention spans normally as a, as the world with the phones and everything. So yes. Uh, yeah. Short memories, short yeah. attention spans. Yeah. So right now, yes. A lot of, um, the marketing 
is kind of distasteful, right? A lot of people will question, like, really? Not the time. And I agree. You know, it's, this sure. is a very weird moment. Like, we should sort of just step back and be like, look, let's think about others for a minute. But in a few weeks, yes, people will be bored out of their minds if they still have to stay at home. Um, and also, the online education industry is actually getting a lot of benefits from what's happening right now. You know, just by the fact that, you know, people are realizing that, you know, you can work from home, you can learn online. It is actually much safer in some ways. It saves you a lot of travel time. So I can see why this push to, to, you know, get into online courses now too, but, you know, it's keeping me very busy. We're testing that productized service, which became kind of a big thing for us too. And, and that's because all, all of the clients we've ever had, um, none of them track their marketing properly. So they can't figure out exactly where the money's being wasted. They can't reverse engineer their sales, especially if they're moving through different platforms. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a you know WordPress site, a webinar, uh, a different shopping cart, like Thrivecart and you know email sequences, you don't know exactly how that customer moves and where you came from through all of those channels. So we've been setting that up and that's been working well. So that's been kind of my taking my attention. And also I want my free time too. I actually love having, you know, um, time where I can think and do other things. So for now, I'm kind of focusing on just running smart brand marketing and those two. Um, And I I think for most people too, um, and I've, I've made this mistake before, you know, when you're running a business, um, you're going to hit some walls. And this happens with mine all the time, right? And for a lot of us, we think, oh, the grass is going to be much greener on the other side. So it's like, imagine, you know, you're in the bus and you just hit the second stop and you're seeing another bus that hit the fifth stop and they seem like they're much better. There's more money, everything. But often it's better to stay on that bus because you're going to get there in your industry unless it's just a really, really bad industry. But most are not. You'll get there. You just got to break through those walls, you know, keep staying on the bus, get to the next stops. What most people do, and I did this initially in my career, is I got on the other bus, and what I didn't realize, that I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again and getting off on a third stop unless I finally just sit, break through it, and move on, and then my bus looks just the same as that one did. So that's what I've just decided to do now, and, you know, as I hit these walls, and I'm like, oh, not again. I just break through these things and, and you know, the, the business becomes better and better every single month. It's, it's good advice. I think, um, you know, just telling people to stay the course and, and believe in themselves, I, I think is what I'm hearing you say. Um, so the, the last question I always ask my guests is, is there one question I didn't ask you that you wish I had? The one question I think more people should ask themselves in my industry right now, which is the online course industry. And you probably have people thinking about them right now because they are in some way, the holy grail of business, right? There's um, easy, easy distribution, very little overhead, almost no fulfillment. You know, it can't get better, but should you make an online course? I think that's a question you need to ask yourself a lot because I've seen so many mm-hmm. people coming into this industry, really, but should you? So like for me, um, I don't work with anyone that has wishy-washy transformation in their online course. So the online course's whole purpose is to transform someone, right? So to, to move them from, 
oh, I'm here now and I did not know this thing. And now I'm transformed and I know it and it's getting me to point B. And I find a lot of them just have really wishy-washy transformations. Um, so mm-hmm. anything, you know, with abundance, with manifestations, meditation, rubbing cr- crystals together, anything like that, I just don't work with because I don't believe in it. Um, sure. So I think, you know, as long as you have something that's like, I will help you pass the series six exam. I will help you stop wasting money on paid ads. I will, there's a real transformation that you can put value on. You're okay. But if you don't, then that's where I see problems. And also, you know, in sales, and and you know this, um, sales are basically a transfer of emotions, right? But I'm seeing a lot of people emote too much. And that's not how you transfer emotions um, on their sales pages. And I've just seen this so many times lately where I'm, I'm just mentioning it. And, and the easiest examples of that is someone saying like, oh, I am so delighted to um, sell this to you. Or I am so happy to have you see, you know, and, and nobody cares what you feel like. Of course, you're going to be happy if I look at your website. Of course, you're happy that I bought your course. Of course, you're this, but it doesn't matter to me. That's not how you make me feel anything by saying you're happy or something like that, right? Which we, which I'm finding that's the biggest mistake. That's, you know, that's, that's a good point. And, and yeah, copywriting. Yeah. And copywriting is hard. It's very hard. Um, but the trick is to make people feel something without you telling them how you feel. And it, it is possible, you know, if you just study copywriting a bit, but I'm just finding that to be one of the biggest mistakes and it just comes across so weird, right? So that would be my second thing is when you, you know, look at your copy and things like that, make sure you keep your emotions out of it as much possible. Um, and at this moment, right, right now, I don't know when this episode will come out. Like, don't put, you know, anything about Corona or COVID into your copy. It's, it's not, not the right way to do it. I'm seeing a lot of pushback for companies that are, you know, taking this crisis, um, to give out more corporate advice and speech. And, you know, I'm going to give you value now because it's, yeah, I mean, we get that people are, you know, will be staying home and things like that, but this is really not the moment for it, for um, just, you know, using a crisis for your own um, advantage. Yeah. That's, um, that's a a mistake in time and memoriam that people have done. And this is all really amazing advice, Tom. It's, it's good. It's solid. And I'm sure people are going to want to find out more um, how can they find you if uh, if they want to talk to you about more of the uh, ideas you brought forth today? Uh, just come to Smart Brand Marketing. Um, that's the brand I kept along for along for that reason. Just it's easy to find me. It's it's going to be around for a long time. Been around for over eight nine years. It's not going anywhere. Just just find me on there. Super easy. Um, easy to get a hold of. Perfect, Tom. Thank you. It's been it's been fun having you on today. It's been a wonderful conversation. And so that's that. Another episode of JNC. This episode was produced by Kevin Tyertz and edited by Emily Heglin. I'm Meg Goodman, and I'll JNC you next time. Hey, did you enjoy this episode? Well, you can find more just like it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every month to stay up to date with everything JNC.